let's talk a little bit about uh, were you gonna were you gonna trigger a sound effect there? <laughs> I was gonna try and get you a game, but you were too quick, mate. I was too slow, so I'll have to add it in post. <laughs> so, okay, we can put it in in post. <laughs> I I got you though. Of it there. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Kraken Knights Show, the only podcast dedicated to the two youngest teams in the NHL, and that, of course, is the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm JP. I'm here with my usual partner in crime, Ian. We switched roles today. Uh, how you doing, bud? I'm doing good. I'm doing. I'm getting used to this now. We've switched a few times, so it wasn't as freaky the first time we did it. It was weird. This, <laughs> yeah, this is a little easier. It's like being in the twilight zone. Yeah, it's fun to change yeah. it up every once in a while. Um, not a bad week. Not a bad week. Both teams' streaks were ended, unfortunately, but that's hockey. Streaks do not last forever, and uh, we'll get into this, but uh, <laughs> still a lot of things to be excited about. Losses are going to happen, Definitely. but both teams are still looking pretty positive, I'd say. Yeah, 100%. Um, like you said, both streaks were snapped, which was unfortunate. Um, and we're going to come to those games in a little bit. But um, yeah, look, I'm still sat here, very positive about both teams. I think there's a lot to like. And uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and both close losses. Uh, and, you know, it's not like uh, either team kind of went off the rails or, or, or totally no. fell apart. Like it's these are just kind of expected losses during a season, in my opinion. And we'll, we'll go over some details and stuff. But yeah. Um, before we get too heavily into the two teams, um, we always like to cover a little bit of uh, uh, smaller news talking points, NHL news. So uh, let's uh, let's start with some NHL news. <laughs> for for those of you that don't know, Ian has control of the. Um, of the sound effects and he very <laughs> kindly saved that one last season. That's me singing the news jingle and uh, caught myself by surprise there. So <laughs> thank you for that. Ian. I yeah. I was saving it. Preser- mate. Yeah. Appreciate you preserving that for posterity. Uh, and Oh, what a, what a great singing voice I have there. Um, so yeah, a couple of news points and this, this first one is nights related. Um, so from the uh, Montreal, Vegas game. Uh, Vegas fans know about this. Um, maybe some Seattle fans may not have seen this game, but during that game, um, there was an incident, uh, second or third period, where um, Anderson uh, from Montreal delivered a fairly dangerous hit to Alex Petrangelo up against the boards. Um, it's a pretty vicious hit, at least in my opinion. Of course, Montreal fans all said it was a clean hit, and that's pretty typical in hockey. Nobody ever <laughs> agrees on these things. But yep. um, uh, he was, during the game, if I'm not mistaken, he was given, two, I think, just two minutes for boarding. I think they initially were thinking five-minute major. They reviewed it and gave him two minutes for boarding. But um, there was instant retaliation, of course, from Petrangelo as well as... Um, other members of the Knights there is a bit of a, of a brawl that happened right afterwards. Um, yeah. and Petrangelo essentially his gloves came off and he just started kind of wailing on, on Anderson. <laughs> um, 
And that's kind of one of those, you know, in my opinion, and I'm given, I'm a little bit biased. That's kind of one of those, you know, mess around and find out kind of situations. Uh, anyway, point I'm getting to is, uh, Anderson was suspended for two games. Eventually the NHL, uh, player safety organization took a look at it, suspended him for two games. So they thought it was dangerous as well. And I don't want to misquote him. He said something to the effect of, I guess he got his two front teeth busted out from when Petrangelo was hitting him. And he was kind of sore about that. He kind of said, well, I guess you can bust out a guy's two front teeth and, 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 and mm. nothing will happen. And he kind of said, well, I, you know, I wasn't trying to do, to deliver a dirty hit. You know, he kind of turned at the last second and, mm. uh, it's very, very controversial comments. Um, so I want to throw it to you, Ian, what are your thoughts on it? I've already interjected my thoughts a little bit and I know you've seen the hit, you know, what's the right thing in that situation? I mean, did you think it was a dirty hit and in hockey, like, you know, if you, if you look at the replay, Petrangelo's looked like he almost snapped his neck up against yeah, the boards the thing. on that hit. So I don't know. And, and I mean, look, that's hockey. If you, if you nail a guy like that and almost break his neck, you got to you're going to have to take your licks, right? I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe no, I'm no, biased. No, right. I'm biased. I'm a Knights fan, so it's harder for me to see this objectively. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, look, you are biased. So I will, I will agree with you on that point. Um, yep. But I think the hit was, was it, well, I don't know, it's hard to say it was dirty, but I think the punishment he received, the hit warranted the punishment. So I think... And, you know, there's so many people I've seen it online, and these aren't just Montreal fans who are saying, you know, well, if we take these sorts of hit out of the game, it's going to become a non-contact sport. And you think, oh, man, get over yourselves. Like, the reality is, 50 years ago, we didn't know about concussions like we did today. The league has a choice. Either it allows hits to go on unpunished, and we lose good players in the game earlier than we should do, Players suffer from, you know, horrendous injuries post finishing the game as well. We know we've seen issues with concussion that have gone later into people's lives. It's not like it's not just to pat the player on the ice and that instance right then. We know how seriously the NHL is supposed to be taking concussion. I will interject supposed to be because there'll be people will have opinions one way or the other. Um so for me, whether we turned at the last minute doesn't matter you know i think uh, whether he meant it to be dirty it doesn't matter i've seen people get two games for, for less um i think he was lucky yes okay he's going to feel sore because people le- you know jumped at him including petrangelo after the hit <laughs> like not be funny josh anderson is not a finesse player right it's not his first <laughs> rodeo okay like he, he drops the gloves at many occasions you can't yeah. play like that and then say yeah. oh but he hit me ref and you're like well of course he did um, yeah. I think it, it was worse because of where he did it on the ice. I think if he'd have done that, or where because where it was, it was right in front of the bench, and that oh, means you haven't got time. the you haven't got the glass um, mm-hmm. or the perspex. Obviously, it's not yeah. glass. Um, the perspex kind of straight above the board, um, and I don't think it would have made the hit less less impactful. By the way, but because there's no um, perspex there, and where his neck hits the boards. You know, you're thinking, Jesus Christ, like if that had been a little bit high, like, and that that's where it looks a lot worse, I think, because of where he hits. Um, yeah. But it doesn't take it away from me, the fact that it was a hit from behind. Boarding is one of those things where 
the NHL's got a choice. Either it, it lets everything go and in 10 years' time, we'll be sat there going, Jesus Christ, we've lost this many players to concussion. Or mm-hmm. it really, really, really buttons down on it. And some people, some old school hockey fans are not going to like it. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But this is what the league has to do because the league doesn't earn enough money to start paying out insurance claims every five seconds because of players that have had their careers cut short for injury. So I think he's always going to be sore about it. He has been sore about things in the past. Uh, the Montreal fans are welcome to their opinion, of course, and I do not hate Montreal fans before I say what I'm about to say, but their opinion means absolutely dick because at the end of the day, <laughs> there are rules. And I felt, if anything, I felt actually when they when they, um, when they they gave the two, the, yeah, like I said, I'm pretty certain it was, a, it, was a, it was a minor, wasn't it? I felt like they could, that felt to me weak, you know, but... You, least you think it should have been a major? Yeah, I know they don't like to do that because mm. I, you know, I guess the problem with the majors, that the, t- the two-game suspension is probably actually better than a major in the game because the problem with a major in the game is is that it, as, as Vegas know all too well, is that a five-minute major, because they can score power play goal after power play goal after power play goal, it can ruin a whole game for something that you kind of feel like, does it, does it, des- I, know, I know Vegas won it in the end anyway, but does it deserve to have right. the game ruined because of that hit. I don't know. I think they yeah. did the right thing in terms of punishing it afterwards. And mm-hmm. if Anderson doesn't like it, tough. Yeah. And in the, I looked it up in the interest of quoting him properly. <clears throat> Here's a, and <laughs> the kind of the main excerpt of his, of what he said, um, quote, he went in hard. I didn't think much of it because he went right back up and sucker punched me. I thought he was okay there. I guess it's okay to knock out. I guess it's okay to knock out your two front teeth and not get anything from it. So it's the way it is. So he's cranky about getting his teeth knocked out. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I guess I get that. And if you look at it, I mean, Petrangelo did, he just started wailing on him. He did. Um, He did. Yeah. And so did he, didn't he get something for that or did he not get a penalty? Yeah. Right. To, to be fair, absolutely. Montreal went on the power play after that incident because Petrangelo went to the box and one other night's player went to the box for roughing. They both went to the box for roughing. So, um, you know, it seems to me, at least the way I'm hearing it is, Anderson's cranky about getting his teeth knocked out and that he considers it a bit of a sucker punch and watching the incident, you know, yeah, Petrangelo definitely didn't wait and ask him to throw down the gloves. Like (laughs) Petrangelo just went for it, you know? And and Mm -hmm. so I understand what Anderson's saying there. I think the league probably got it right. You know, like as far as reviewing it, two game suspension to try to discourage dangerous plays like that. Like I get that in the heat of the moment, I'm sure that Anderson wasn't thinking I'm going to bend Alex Petrangelo's neck. Like it's a twig. Like clearly it happened too fast for him to be able to think that way. But I do, do understand why the league needs to discourage. There's why it's a penalty. You can't go into a guy that hard when he's right next to the boards in that way. When he's not, when you see the numbers, you can't do it. Yeah, and exactly. That's why for me, it's not, yeah. it wasn't a dirty hit because mm-hmm. I don't think Anderson intentionally aimed to injure Petrangelo. Right. But I right. think that because of where the hit was and and you see all the time, I mean, there's hits in the center of the ice that will be fine 
but you do them too close to the board. And if the player stumbles the wrong way, it looks like a worse hit than what it was. Oh, I can right. understand that. Um, <clears throat> right. But I just think if we're going to stop hits in terms of if we're going to try and reduce the number of concussions in the game, the problem with hitting somebody from behind is that automatically they will stumble head first because naturally you'll put your hands out right but you're not going to be able to move where your head's going and and that's so i you know that's just a yeah. keep saying the same thing but i i, I think it was a, i don't normally say this because i don't agree with a lot of things that come out of the dopes um the department of player safety um but the this they got right yeah yeah i think i think it's the right thing to do and i i think it's clear that on one side like you said anderson i don't think he was intending to injure and I don't. I also don't think Petrangelo said I'm going to knock the, this guy's two front teeth out either. <laughs> I think that's yeah. it's hockey. It's heated, it, you know. And Petrangelo retaliated, and you know. So in the same way, if if Anderson's like, well, it wasn't my intent to bend his neck like that, you know. It also wasn't Petrangelo's intent to knock his two front teeth out. He just unleashed on him right like he wasn't aiming for the teeth (laughs) so if you're going to forgive one you have to forgive the other and you have to say these things both happened in the heat of the moment and Mm. um so yeah i'm a little biased but i think you're right i think the league got it right (laughs) but it was interesting and it just for some additional drama between the two teams it's always a little more heated between the knights and montreal anyway just because of that western conference matchup uh or the semi-final Mm. matchup should i say yeah uh back during the playoffs a couple years ago but um Anyway, it's always fun. These things make the sport more interesting sometimes. Uh, and But hopefully, right, we continue to trend towards keeping plays like that out of the game. And and the only way to do that, the only way to discourage players from doing, you know, from doing those kind of things is, is by dealing out consequences for it. So um, in other news, let's flip over to some Seattle news here. So gr- the Grubauer saga continues here. Uh, we don't really know... Mm-hmm which way things are going to go, but apparently they put Grubauer, Seattle put Grubauer back on LTI. Was it not like, I guess it's not back on LTIR. He was only on IR, right? And now That's they put right. him on yeah. LTIR. So uh, talk to me a little bit about what's going on there. What do you think's, uh, what do you think's driving all that? Um, it's, it's hard to, to see what to, to know because Seattle haven't really said a lot, which is not a surprise. Um, of course, because we, as I've, commented numerous times the nhl allows teams to uh to to kind of tell you very little about the injury um so we did i didn't really know why he went down the first time but obviously he left during the colorado game uh, famously they were winning that game and uh, he left and, and jones came in and faced one shot and luckily saved it um it was a lower body injury so what what that actually is, 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 you know, your guess is as good as mine. Um, to be honest, he wasn't having a great start to the season. So, you know, I don't think this plays a factor, by the way. So I'm not suggesting it's tactical because I don't think that Seattle would do that, given he's got a lot of years left on his contract. But as of the 11th of November, he was placed on LTIR, so obviously long-term injury reserve. And that's going to free up some cap space, which... But, Seattle didn't particularly need, but you know, it doesn't doesn't harm. Um, and it means that he's going to have to the minimum time he'll miss now is ten games uh, and twenty four days from the original injury date. So, 
it takes him out for a little while. The injury must be, yeah. Yeah, because I don't think they would have done this just for the crack because he was on IR anyway, so he wasn't taking up a roster spot. So this isn't a roster a roster issue. Uh, I mean, in terms of roster, I, again, I'm not sure whether Decord has gone down injured. It doesn't look like that, but Decord has certainly been sent back down to to the Firebirds. So mm-hmm. the Seattle Kraken have actually picked up Magnus Helberg, um, and you wouldn't be... Uh, two out of your out of your depth in terms of knowledge of hockey. If you if you're hearing this and saying who the hell's that, because um, I, I thought exactly the same thing. Um, but he's our now our backup goalie. He was originally in the 2011 draft a second round pick by the Nashville Predators, 38th overall, so nearly a first round pick. To be honest, um, he's played a, a career whopping six games in the in the NHL. Um, in quite a few years uh, with a pretty horrendous save percentage to go with it. He played one game last year uh, for Detroit and got an 870 save percentage and let in three goals. And he played one game for Ottawa this year, um, which he did win. So hoorah, uh, with a 935 save percentage, but I'm not expecting that to continue. So yeah, yeah Jones and... And and Helberg as the uh, as the goalie tandem is the hunt, is not what we expected. But to be fair, whilst Jones is playing like he is, I'm okay with that. Yeah, and it it I mean, the obviously there was a, there was obviously a need, right? And, and it mm-hmm. speaks to where where things must sit right now with Grubauer. I think the fact that they went out to you know and and picked up another goalie. Um, I agree. You know, and and you hate LTIR, like you said, what is it, minimum 10 games if you're placed on LTIR? But uh, Yeah, it's a certain amount of days and weeks, I think, from memory. But um, and right. I, I, someone, someone, no doubt, <laughs> maybe Tim will be able to help us out here in the, in the comments after the after we release this. But I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly how long it is that they're, they're out for. But like you said, it shows it's serious. I really hope it isn't something that is potentially like a, a niggle that he's been having because this – Right, players that keep, goalies when they keep going down injured, you're kind of waiting for somebody to finally say, "Yeah, surgery. sorry guys, this is his hip or this is his knee or this is his something," right. and he's having surgery. And then the second you know they're going for surgery, you think, "Oh, great, that's it for the Here season." At least, so, a lot of times, yeah. Well, yeah, potentially worse yeah. than that, and yeah, can be, you know, yeah. So, yeah, like you said, crossed. when you get into hips and stuff like that for goalies, that's a uh, that's like. Without a doubt, their most important joint, you know, is yeah. the hip. But, uh, yeah. but knock on wood, you know, hopefully with Grubauer, this is nothing like that, right? Hopefully, this is okay. He's going to be out a month, or he's going to be out a couple months, and yeah, and then he can come back in. And I look like yeah. we were talking on the last podcast. I'm like, I'm going to mention a little bit when we talk about Martin Jones in a bit more depth. It's just Martin Jones' chance. You know, right. he's in he's in a team that are in the playoffs as of today mm-hmm. um, right. that are playing well. Um, the league had pretty much given up on him. He's played backup in the last two roles he's had, um, including when he was at Philly last year. So this yeah. is his chance to remind the league that he's an NHL starting goalie and anything can happen. So, Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I feel like Jones, he seems like the kind of goalie that's better when he can play consistently. And so since he's in the starting position right now, it's allowing him, I think he's, he's able to sort of maximize what he can do just by mm-hmm. getting consistent, um, consistent game time. But, um, but fingers crossed the news about Grubauer is good, you know? 
Yeah, and there's another factor to this as well. I mean, I, I mentioned the cap thing earlier. Look, I don't think they're doing the cap thing because they need the cap space, but potentially if they know he's going to be out for near enough as long as the LTIR time is, why not? You know, Grubauer's on $5 million a year, so a couple of months of his salary gives you something to play with at the trade deadline. So it may well be that the start of the season is so good that actually Ron Francis is now thinking a couple of million at the deadline, I could bring somebody in. So I could see the logic behind doing that. I don't think they're doing it tactically and Grubauer's fine. I think he is injured, but I can understand why if he's going to be out for a a couple of weeks, not a couple of days, this makes good financial sense. Very good point. Very good point. If this continues for much longer, they will be buyers at the deadline, I think. Like as long as they're still in the (laughs) mix... There's uh there's no doubt. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And they got the cap space to bring, to make a big splash, right. If, if they want to. So even if it's a rental, but, um, I, <laughs> it feels you know, good I, to hear that JP, right. Buys at the deadline. <laughs> Who'd have thought that? Yeah. So. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, it's how quickly things change. And as you said, right now, Seattle sits at, um, at third in the, in the division, but, um, but that doesn't tell the whole story because, uh, They've got games in hand, I think, right? Is that right? Um, I feel like so I looked at as, it. As back- we record this podcast, and uh, and it is Sunday the 13th of of, uh, of November, so remember it's Sunday in the UK. I don't know if it is in, uh, is in the US as well, but we had our little ceremonies and stuff this morning, just remembering, and it's a good thing that people should still do, but they remember all those that we've lost. I know the US, by the way, I don't need to tell you guys to uh, support your armed forces because you guys do that far better than we do, but at least... This day of the year, everybody remembers right. those that we lost during uh, the World Wars. So um, we are currently eighth in the league right now, uh, above Edmonton as well. Whoop, whoop. Um, and we've <laughs> games played is 15. So we've actually got a game game on you guys. Um, so we're, we're coming for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's stupid. This is ridiculous. If we win our game in hand, we go above Toronto and Carolina. And yes, Carolina would have a game in hand, but... Mm. I would not have predicted that, for, you know, earlier in the season. Yeah, it's uh, it's exciting stuff, and uh, we're going to get a little more deeply into um, Seattle's performance here um, in our next segment. But before we get there, um, one more news point since we're on the goalie topic. Um, this is a significant bit of news um, coming back to to Vegas. So we were talking about this last week. the The goalie predicament in Vegas has been solved at least for the time being, right? We, uh, Brossois had returned from surgery and was on a conditioning loan in Henderson, um, played two games and it was time to either recall him back to the Knights or trade him or, or place him on waivers. We had talked about the different possibilities of what, what might happen there. And he was indeed placed on waivers and he did clear. Um, and so Brozois is now in Henderson and still in the organization. Um, I have mixed feelings on how, on how that panned out. I think it's good that they are able to keep Brozois in the organization for additional goalie depth. I think that's a positive. I think it's Mm -hmm. good that nobody picked him up. I think on the flip side of that coin, he returned from surgery and has not been great so far that being said henderson is having an awful start to the year absolutely abysmal i mean this is the worst i've ever seen them do in their short history 
And so that it's hard to judge if that's all Brossois or if some of that is the, the decor in front of him. Um, so in terms of how the cap works, and I'm not the most educated on this, but my understanding is because he cleared waivers, mm-hmm. he can now live in Henderson. And as far as the cap goes, Brossois two point whatever million, it's 2.2 or 2.3 or somewhere in there, two point, I can't remember what he makes, but it's two point something million. Basically half of that, I think counts towards the cap under these circumstances. So it, it provides some good cap relief for the team, but it doesn't relieve them of his entire, of his entire salary. So some people argue that that's a lot of money to pay for goalie depth. Although, I mean, I don't know how, how much cheaper do goalies get in the NHL. So, um, but, but yeah, what's, uh, what are your thoughts on? So Bruce, why you are right, by the way, in your little, uh, your, your, comment about the LTIR situation so it is 50% retained it's known as a buried penalty Mm -hmm. so you have LTIR and when someone goes on LTIR that's it their full their full relief that's all full salary relief is is whatever the salary is so Robin Lerner obviously the full relief is the five million uh, mm-hmm. Shea Weber, obviously, who's also on LTIR, if people forgot that Shea Weber was a Vegas Golden Knight, but he is, technically. Um, <laughs> I'm sure he's, he's never going to put the jersey on, but he's technically yeah. there. And, and Nolan Patrick is the third one you've got on LTIR right now. So you've actually got 14 million of cap on LTIR, which is interesting. Um, but 1.2 million is the buried penalty that you have on there. So his full salary is technically in um henderson but then you get a penalty of half his salary to stop players just using waivers to bury very big contracts basically and um is the reason they do this so so 1.2 million is going to sit in the vegas gold knights i think for me you didn't have a choice um your goalie tandem even including the 1.2 million that is there is you got two million for Aiden Hill, so that's three point three million because he's two point one, uh, and Logan Thompson is seven hundred and sixty-six grand. Yes, you heard me right, seven hundred and sixty-six mm. grand. Um, yeah. You know, there's there is some players who have bought properties that cost more than Logan Thompson's entire salary cap sure. hit this year. So oh, yeah. that means the total amount that you've got on, on, in in your goalies is what just about four million. Um, which is still a million less than Robin Leonard on his own. And as it stands today, you've still got a bloody good goalie tandem in Aiden Hill and Logan Thompson. So it's still a win. And, and and just there is actually some deadline cap space in Vegas. I mean, who'd have thought that? I mean, 1.1 <laughs> yeah. million of deadline yeah. cap space. Yeah. So. And, and if they keep playing the way they are, they will absolutely use it. I could see them bringing oh, yes, 100%. in hundred percent a fourth line guy or or a third line guy, like a utility player. Like they, I think mm. they will buy at the deadline. I don't, you know, I don't think they're going to necessarily make a big splash. Well, who knows? We'll see what happens between now and then. But and then the other advantage, of course, of having Brossois in the minors, as long as he's able to somewhat return to form, is if I'm not mistaken, now he can be called up in that. 10 maximum games capacity, right? Like he can be called up and sent down if I'm not mistaken. 
he yeah. has to go back through that process. So he could come and and be called up and play a few games and be sent back down without having to clear waivers because he has to Correct. go through that sort of 10 game maximum again. So if he were to be yes. called up and played more than 10 games for the senior club, now he's in a situation where he would once again have to clear waivers to be sent down. Yep. But because he cleared waivers, he could be called up as needed for a few games here and there. Hopefully they won't need to do that. And I know for Brossois, he would rather be in the NHL and he's a bonafide NHL backup, at least for, for, you know, in recent, in his recent playing history, but, uh, Mm -hmm. it's, it's worked out reasonably well for, for the team. So at least in my opinion, I think, like you said, they had no choice and this is probably about the best way it could have worked out under the circumstances. So, but, uh, I think so. Interesting developments, uh, this week. And, um, we went a little bit longer than we normally do, but some uh, some interesting news to talk about. And uh, so there you have it. There is your news. All right, cool. So uh, so yeah, let's uh, let's talk about Seattle. Um, mm. I I don't know, man. I, I I think they're doing pretty well. Yeah, this this streak was snapped, obviously, but. Um, I don't think uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's anything really to worry about. I watched both nope. Seattle games this week in their entirety. Uh, they really handed it to Nashville. Oh, um, yeah, that was fun. Fi- final score of five to one, if I'm not mistaken. And I was watching it. They they went up four nothing in the first period, so that game was over before it even started. Really, um, <laughs> and then uh, yeah. and then the game against the Wild, you know. That that's um, I mean I'm gonna turn we it over flurried, to you. Mate, we, we said it before. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, we they, got flurried. They ran into a hot goalie. So uh, so what's going on with Seattle? I, I we're far enough into the season now that I think we can make we can make some some more concrete judgments about what is going on with the teams in the league, uh, Seattle included. We said it last week, and I don't think it's a fluke. And I think this week has continued to support that. But what are your thoughts on Seattle and what's, why are they better? What's going on with, with them this season? It, you know, it's a, it's a really good question, um, which I will come to. Uh, just quickly on the Nashville game, um, well, you're right. I mean, that first period, it was, it was actually UC Soros in goal as well. I and mean, that's what surprised me because when I started watching, I was thinking, if they got, because Kevin Lankinen is the other goalie at, uh, at Nashville, I thought it was Lankin in goal at first. And then I realized it wasn't. It was Saros, but who's having a not as good a year as last year. In fact, his worst year in the NHL as it stands right now. But still, he's, a, he's obviously a quality goalie. So it shows shows when you can really put a team to the sword like that. It, it kind of made me think. It's why I wanted to use this as a talking point for this week. I kind of thought, okay, so what is why are we so good this year? What's what's different? Because, like you rightly said, JP. This isn't fluke anymore. This isn't just a couple of games and it's going to flip and then we'll go back into the real Seattle will appear. This is the real Seattle this year. So no surprise that I did a bit of digging to see what had happened. Now, I'm, I'm not immensely shocked we are better than last year. I said that on the predictions episode. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to the predictions episode, you can still go back and listen to it. It's still like... 60 odd games left or 70 something games left in the season so the predictions episode is still still valid but um 
you know, I expected us to be better, but I kind of thought we would be middling around about where Chicago are, to be honest. So not quite mm-hmm. in the playoffs, not quite at the bottom, somewhere in between hand, winning more than we're losing, but generally around 500. That's where I thought it would be. So for us to be sat here, um, you know, after 16 games, uh, in, in ignore the, um, the league because, you know, the Eastern Conference to get into the playoffs for us doesn't really matter. But to be third in our division, and to actually, as it stands right now, 18 points after 15 games, we have more points than Colorado. Now, okay, yes, Colorado have only played 13 games, as have Winnipeg, and Dallas have played 14. But we have more points than Winnipeg, than Dallas, than Colorado, than Edmonton, who play, uh, who played the same number of games that we have, than Minnesota. And these are all teams that I, I thought would be better than we are. Um, so... So I had a look at some of the numbers, which is I said, those of you listeners, long-term listeners to this podcast, you know when it comes to stats. And JP's been stealing the limelight for stats recently, so I thought I better get <laughs> better up my game, right? I better get back on the on the saddle. So in the first fifteen games this year, because um, if I'm not the stats man, JP, you take that. I'm just I'm just the token Brit, and I can't I can't, I can't, I can't have that. Keeping you on your toes, uh, yeah. <laughs> so um, and. Uh, so in the first 15 games, we've scored 50 goals. And in comparison to last year, we scored 42 goals in the same number of games. That's eight more goals this year. Uh, but more importantly, because I saw that stat and I thought, oh, okay. I expected that to be, and that sounds stupid, but I expected that to be more. I didn't think we'd scored that many goals last year. I thought predominantly we'd scored, on average, a couple more goals per game this year. So I was expecting that to be over 10. But where it caught me off guard was actually goals against. So we've let in 42 goals this season to date in the first 15 games. And that is comparison to 55 in the same time last year. So that's a plus 13 goal differential in against, which means those two numbers combined gives us a plus 21 in comparison to last year as a goal differential when you when you take the two numbers into account so you know i'm that to me if somebody says to me why is seattle better it is simply it sounds really obvious but we're scoring more and we're letting in less which i know isn't going to blow anybody away but actually it is what you need to be a better hockey club and that's why everybody was saying last year if if seattle had better goaltending then we would be okay now and I'll come to the new boys in a minute in terms of scoring, but we were talking about uh, Martin Jones earlier, and I've got some stats for Martin Jones right here. Now, he's played 12 games this um, season. He started 11 because obviously he came on in the Colorado game and faced one shot. Now, he's won seven of those, um, but his save percentage is 9-10. 9-10 for a goalie for Seattle is immense. Uh, and Martin Jones also, by the way, we've slagged him off uh, for good reason, I would like to point out. It's not like we slagged him off without just cause. His safe percentage in Philly last year was 900, and in San Jose the last three seasons. So not one season, 2020, 2021, 2019, 2020, 2018, 2019. His safe percentage was actually identical, which is impressive to, as a feat of maths to manage that is, 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 is immense. But at 896, okay, so... When when we're we're sticking it to Jones for his his previous play, it is statistically he's been a pretty dreadful goalie for the past five years. So for him to be at nine ten is impressive. But the guy's only thirty two, 
which I thought he was older than that. No offense, Martin. Um, I'm older than you are, so I, I can say I thought you were older without <laughs> without it being offensive. But I kind of felt he was later, maybe 34. So 32 shows that he still, this could be a resurgence. Um, the McConaughey, does anybody remember that? Matthew McConaughey, and he started doing decent stuff. Um, this maybe is the the Jones revival. Someone needs to come yeah. up with a better a better thing. Jones hasn't got a name that nicely rhymes with reconnaissance. Yeah. So, right. so somebody needs to come up with that for me, please. Um, but yeah. he's and it's not a fluke. He was nine seventy in the Pittsburgh game. He was nine four six in the other Pittsburgh game. He shut out the Minnesota Wild. Um, he the first time uh, he. Got a nine five two in the Minnesota game the second time round. He had these. He is he's hot right now. I mean, there is no better way of putting it, and mm. it just proves that actually the team last year for Seattle wasn't a million miles away from being a good team. It just needed a couple of pieces, um, and 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 that's what's changed it. Yeah, couple of tweaks, couple of tweaks. I, I remember saying that a couple times last last year that I felt like they weren't far from. Be, I even I, mean, I remember saying they weren't far from being a middle of the road team, and obviously they're they're mm-hmm. outperforming that right now. The interesting about Jones, the commentators, uh, at least on the feed that I watched for the Nashville, and that was a national game, if I recall, um, on broadcast television here, the for the game mm-hmm. against Nashville, I heard the commentators mention that if I'm not mistaken, Martin Jones and his wife just had a child. Just, did, yeah. yeah. And, and they were talking about how that can put a little bit of spring in yeah, baby games, the step, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a little bit of, of, of happiness at home. And, um, you know, that, <laughs> that, uh, that, that could affect a player's mood a little bit. And I think there might be something to that. Uh, we'll get to it in a few minutes, but Smith Smith for the Knights, Yeah. Riley Smith has absolutely been on fire. And he is also a new dad. So, uh, you know, okay. uh, right. That's a happy occasion. You, if you're happy in your life, uh, you, you know, you probably perform better at work. So, hey, whatever it takes, man. It's just and for those long term listeners know that um, my second son was born uh, in August of this year. So I wouldn't say I'm a new dad, but I guess I'm a new dad again. Um, and uh, or glutton for punishment, whichever whichever way you look at it. Um, and uh, my my work of the listen to this podcast is thinking, where the hell was Ian's improvement in performance? Because I can't, I don't think I have a spring in my step. I think for the right. first couple of weeks, you're just trying to survive. So this to me shows that hockey players spend a lot of time on the road because they obviously, I, I bet the I bet the wives at home or the girlfriends at home, you know, the partners at home are. Uh, thinking we haven't got a baby a baby step so yeah, uh, yeah. but it's, it maybe that's going to work but if that works for this season and and martin jones carry on carries on at this pace that's all that's all seattle need i don't care who the backup is they're not going to play a lot of games anyway like you said they'll take the advantage to play the hot hand more i think jones given his career to date now, he's not stupid. He knows that his career was tanking and that he was going to struggle to find a seat if he didn't improve. So he's right. going to want to play every game he can right now. Um, yeah. Interestingly, though, if we're going to keep this uh, uh, sandwich going and uh, just try and keep the podcast polite, um, there are there are some negatives. Okay, oh, I could find one anyway, and that is a guy that I actually had touted as one of the biggest kind of pluses for 
for Seattle in the offseason, and that was Oliver Bjorkstrand, who we who we obviously picked up because uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, and boy, wow, that's, uh, that's a team that's uh, having a rough time right now. Mm, um, oh, yeah. and, uh, and Johnny Hockey is, uh, welcome to the basement, Johnny. Mm. Um, and, um, and he had the choice of going to the Devils as well. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, that's... Um, Hindsight you know when we said on the last podcast... That the Brossois move was going to be one of those where potentially you would look back on it and go, "Oh, we missed, uh, we missed it." Johnny Hockey must be thinking, um, <laughs> "Well, who knows?" Yeah, he's um, he's face no palming at the moment. Yeah, if things don't turn around yeah. for sure, and I'm sure they will do. By the way, because uh, Columbus yeah. is a pretty well-run organization, but um, it's not a great start. But Bjorkstrand has had a really slow start in Vegas. I actually don't think he scored, and I'm going to double check this right now. Um, hopefully quite quickly, but he's definitely not scored many. Um, no, I was right. He scored one goal in 15 games. Okay. And last year he scored 28 goals in 80 games. Mm. So he is well off the pace in terms of scoring, which is right. a surprise. Cause as I said to you at the beginning, we scored eight more goals than we did last year. So we are mm. scoring in Seattle. It's just, he's not contributing. Right. So if you take where we are right now and he gets hot, then you know we could be in an even better position. Talking about the new boys, because I said I was going to mention about those guys. So Burkowski, on the other hand, has definitely hit the Seattle ice at full stride because he's got 13 points in 15 games. And I have been really, really impressed with this guy. I wasn't sure. When he first kind of broke out in, in, in Washington, I wasn't sure about him. I kind of felt like maybe he looked better because the players around him. But he mm. proved in Colorado and he's proving in Seattle even more so that he is a serious top six forward. Um, you know, so that's been great. And Matty Benias, I mean, we must mention him every week. So, um, you know, this podcast is sponsored by MattyBenias.com. But uh, <laughs> but he's, he has got nine points in 15 games, mate. I mean, that is, this kid's a rookie Dude, and he's, he's rookie. earning his yeah. ice time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are, you know, those are more than like beyond respectable numbers for a mm-hmm. veteran player. I mean, yeah, he's and well, it's only going to exactly. get better. And talking about our veterans, and these are the long-term Seattle players that have played uh, two seasons uh, with the club. <laughs> and uh, so Schwartz is on a better points per game than he was last year. Last year it was point six two. Now it's point six six. Uh, Eberle is on a better points per game this season. So he was 0.55 last year. He's 0.66. Um, and there was a theme with his 0.66. Uh, and Jared McCann, who who actually had a bloody good season last season, good enough that um, that he, he earned a few more dollars than I think he would have done at the beginning of the season by the end of it. And he is on the exact same, well, I give or take, the same points per game that he was on last season. And it obviously he's been out for a couple of games. So it's it's clicking. It's clicking. Good goaltending, good scoring, stronger defensively, which I think is massively helped by the goaltending, by the way. I don't think the D is particularly playing that much better than it did before, but it's working. You know, we carry on this kind of form. And I don't I don't care that it's, there's a long way to go because, you know, I don't believe in fate anyway. Um, but if they carry on this form, you know, for the rest of this season. And they are they are making the playoffs, and I don't mean in a wild card. I think they end up as the third team in the Pacific, which I did not predict. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think you're spot on there. And, and actually, right now, you know, the standings don't even tell the whole story since they've got games in hand on LA, who's in second. Uh, mm-hmm. But 
but I think they've got two games in hand on LA. Uh, so LA's played more games than most of the other teams in the in the division, and they're three points behind LA. So really, all said and done, they're they're kind of neck and neck with LA. So they're really playing at more of a second place pace at the moment, based on the rest of the division. Um, yeah, it's it's exciting to see that this is a, 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 a much bigger improvement than we were all expecting. I think and. Um, you know, long may it continue. And just from a, not even from a stats perspective, when I watched, like I said, I watched both Seattle games in their entirety this week. And um, even the loss against the wild, it, I didn't see a lot of lapses in, in play or, or I didn't see a lot of issues. Like you said, Flurry had a great game. It was a one zero loss games like that that's that's just one of those games like it could have gone either way but when i watch seattle play all stats aside they're just they're peskier they're harder to play against when i watch them in the defensive zone like they they their defense it has a little bit more of that suffocating feel to it like they're just they're up in the other team's business the forecheck feels more aggressive. Like it just, and there's something to be said for that momentum as well. When a team is winning and they, they, you gain confidence, right? And I can see that Seattle has a confidence that, that they were missing for a lot of last season. And that's to be expected when a team starts winning like this, of course, mm-hmm. it's going to be a boost in your confidence. The fans are having a great time. Like the, the guys are in a good mood. And so hopefully Seattle can continue to take advantage of that of that momentum that they have. And I don't think the loss against the wild is anything to worry about. A one zero loss, still a well-played game and look Fleury's getting older. Right. And he's, you know, he maybe doesn't have a lot of years left on his career, but this guy's a hall of fame goaltender. And when he's dialed in, he is dialed in and, and look, that's right. They, they only allowed one goal and it just wasn't quite enough for that game. But, uh, and both goalies were fantastic. I mean, Martin Jones, as I said earlier, finished the game on six a nine sixty save percentage. So, yeah, yeah, in Winnipeg tonight. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the Winnipeg game. Hopefully, they can they can bounce back. But even if they don't, yeah, you know, playoffs or no playoffs. I know we joked about making the playoffs, but this is exactly what the club needed. They needed yep. to show the hockey the fan base there because I think Mister Who actually said about the Seattle fan base like like they don't they don't want to be watching bottom of the league year after mm-hmm. year after year they wanted something to spur some energy into that arena and that's what the team's done so you know there's it's all it's all clicking it's all yeah. you know everything at the moment is doing exactly what needed to do keep it going and uh let's see where we end up in the end of the season absolutely absolutely yeah at the moment i don't think they need to change a thing so no um yeah, good uh, good things going on for Seattle for sure, and and you never. It's funny you, you, whenever you predict and you think you know how things are going to go, <laughs> mm-hmm. you, you never really know how things are going to go. Um, and that's a good segue uh, over to my neck of the woods, over to Vegas. Now, given I going into this season, I expected them to be a playoff team. Um, and they have exceeded my expectations because right now, in my opinion, they're playing like a contender. I mean, they, they have, 
um, you know, we, now who, who cares about power rankings, right? But I mean, they're at the top of the power rankings pretty much universally. Like they're one of the hottest teams in the league at the moment, if not the hottest team in the league, even though the the winning streak was snapped last night. They did lose to to uh, St. Louis last night, um, three to two. But in, in much the same way as the uh, Seattle loss, I'm not really concerned. Um you know, they, they had just come off of a five game road trip. They had been, literally been on the road for like two weeks. And my understanding is they got home at like four in the morning on their return from Buffalo, which we're going to talk about the Buffalo game because that's the biggest news of the week for the Knights for sure. But yeah, they got home at like four in the morning, you know, so that you don't get enough sleep that night. You get home, you catch up around the house, you know, you sort of try to catch up on your life. And then the next day you got a hockey game. So, yep. you know, and, and after the game, Gary Lawless, who's one of the, the Knights, uh, you know, he's one of the TV and radio guys. He's part of the Knights like internal press team. Gary Lawless said this after the game. He said, honestly, I did not expect them to win this game. And that's saying a lot coming from an internal press guy. He even said they actually did better than I thought. He's like, it could have been a lot worse. Like they, they actually had a chance to win it. They really did. It was a close game. But it did, yeah, it's a good game. For me, it was one of those expected losses. That Now, given St. Louis has not been good this year, but they're also, they've got a solid core and they're tired of losing. So they were especially up for the game. The Knights were a little bit tired and just a couple little lapses and they lost by one goal. So... I'm not concerned. The team has a 13 and three record, which is stellar 13 and three. Now, is that sustainable for the whole year? Probably not. But 13 and three, that is, that's insanity. That is an insane record. It is. And if it was Tampa, everyone would be saying, yep, Tampa again. Whereas I still feel like people are a little bit muted on Vegas. I I don't, I don't feel like they're quite getting the respect no. for their position and their play that it deserves. I kind of felt that's kind of a Vegas thing because mm-hmm. generally the rest of the league doesn't want Vegas to do well systemically. So, right. um, but you know, and that game last, was it last night? Whatever it was, the blues game, um, I'm, I'm going to be different to you because of the time zones, time but the, yeah. you know, the, let's be honest. And, and Aiden Hill is not going to thank us for bringing it up, but uh, Aiden Hill's little fluff of a pass around the back of the goal and you're looking at a 2-2 game. So I felt that it was a very even game and could have gone either way. And realistically, it was, without being horrible, it was Hill's error that really cost them the game. You know, on another day, he makes that pass and probably finishes 2-2, goes to overtime and who knows. That's exactly right. Yeah, the, the game came down to a couple of key moments and um, the Knights were outshot for much of the game, but then in the third period, they turned that around and just an absolute onslaught uh, back, back to St. Louis. And the Blues were able to hunker down, which is not an unusual strategy, especially when you're on the road. They were able mm-hmm. to hunker down and, and and just not let anything in. You know, Biddington did what he needed to do. And um, so, yeah, close game, nothing to, you know, not, really nothing to be all that worried about, in my opinion. I think the other thing, too, the longer a streak goes on, the easier it is to get a little bit sloppy. And so I do think a well-timed loss every once in a while is, a, is good for a team. Just a little wake-up call, right? Like, it's human nature. 
Like you, if you, you're winning, you're winning, you're winning. It's easy to get comfortable. It's easy to get, you know, maybe cocky isn't the right word, but to, to, it's easy to sort of get a little bit sloppy because even on the road, they were getting sloppy in a few areas and still winning. Mm. And I think it's just human nature sometimes to, uh, just not be quite as tight, not, not put in quite the effort that you should because you're winning anyway. And, and so for me, yeah, it's a well-timed loss. It's a good kind of reset just to, just to sort of, uh, grab the team's attention, snap them back into focus. And like I said, they, you know, they need a little bit of rest as well after a really long, grueling road trip that was successful. They swept the road trip for God's sake. So, uh, that's saying a lot, but, um, but let's talk about the, the, the big news this week, speaking about Vegas, not getting the respect it deserves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Eichel had his second return to Buffalo and, um, that was one of the most exciting games of the year for Vegas fans and for the team for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast probably already knows the results of that game, but in case, in case you don't, um, Vegas won the game and Eichel in the third period, <laughs> all in the third period scored three goals and an assist. He got a hat trick and an assist, uh, all in the third period of that game. And it look, I get it. Sports is emotional. Rivalries are emotional. I understand the Buffalo fan base for one reason or another has a bone to pick with Eichel. And I know over the years, you know, there've been a few times where he's said some things post game or in interviews that the fans didn't like, you know, I understand that there's, you know, sort of a, maybe a slightly overblown sort of hatred for Eichel. A lot of it is because he left. Um, and so for anybody who didn't watch the game, the, the, the Buffalo fans booed him every time he came onto the ice or got the puck for the entire game. They were more interested in booing Eichel than they were in cheering their own team. Listen, this is sports. I get it. I'm chirping Buffalo a little bit here. Um, I do think that their reaction to Eichel leaving is not taking into account his humanity, the fact that he was injured, the fact that he couldn't get the surgery that he wanted. There were a million reasons why it was the right move for Eichel to get out of Buffalo. And I think, and I I don't blame the entire fan base. I know not every fan in the stands was booing him. I know that. I even talked to some Buffalo fans on Twitter who said that. They were like, I was at the game you know, and I was booing Eichel or I was at the game and I wasn't booing Eichel and I don't appreciate the people that did that. So I know not every Buffalo fan does that, but it's a significant number of people in the stadium booing him every time he got onto the ice. So when something like that happens, of course, not only is the, uh, are his teammates going to rally behind him because of the emotion involved there, uh, the hmm. fan base is going to rally behind him. And that totally backfired on the Buffalo fans. All the people that bought tickets that night so that they could boo Eichel, they actually charged him and the team up. Um, because Eichel, wow, what a performance. A hat trick in one period. And and actually several other, bra- like Eichel had two one-on-one breakaways. He didn't manage to 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 put either of those in the net. And of course, when he missed those, the, the audience cheered tremendously, not because of the save, but because Eichel didn't score. And so it's, it was an emotional return for Eichel that the, there's some, um, behind the bench footage 
of the team right after the 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 final horn when the game was over and wow they were so happy for him and uh congratulating him because that sucks it sucks to go back to the place where you spent as long as eichel did and and everybody hates you you're a pariah and i just don't for me i don't think that's completely deserved buffalo fans seem to think he deserves the hate i think he probably gets worse than he deserves Mm. um but big game for vegas big game for eichel and and um vegas fans were buzzing after that game myself included and like i said if buffalo had not been booing him that night i don't think the buzz would have been anywhere as big so buffalo fans kind of brought that on themselves a little bit in my opinion but what are your thoughts on that game ian it's uh, it was interesting right oh yeah 100 percent. It was, it was it was a great game um i think sports fans love the pantomime villain and that's what jack eichel is to them now like I don't know. Not every Buffalo fan feels things like this, by the way, but I think the majority see him leaving as a slight on their club. You see it in other sports as well. I mean, the classic was a guy in the UK, a footballer, um, who left one club to go to their rival. And, you know, all the fans were saying, oh, he's only moving for the money. This guy was being paid three times the amount per year to go to this other club. Now, I don't think there's a person on this planet who wouldn't at least consider it. If an, if their rival competitor or someone came up and said, I wanted to pay you three times the amount. And in a sports thing, and that's not why I can move, by the way, so I'm not suggesting that's like for like. He moved for very personal reasons, but I just feel like they need to have this pantomime villain. My thing with Jack Eichel is, like, you wanna, we were talking earlier about the kind of respect thing. When is when are people finally going to put him in the bracket of true elite? Because he should be there. Okay, like he's on 19 points after 16 games. That's better than Sidney Crosby. That's better than um, Austin Matthews. That's better than Mitch Marner. That's mm-hmm. better than Stephen Stamkos and Braden yeah. Point. You know, there's only a few people in the league right now who've got a better point per game record than Eichel. And... His general play on the ice, we were talking last week about the the kind of hold my beer moments, but <laughs> he is, uh, and I love that, by the way, but he, I just, for me, I, his, something about him, people, this is just a general league feeling, in my opinion, that they don't really want him to succeed because he plays this pantomime villain thing, a bit like Brad Marchand, maybe he's another one in this category, but he is a truly elite superstar. And hopefully if Vegas win a cup, um, not at the expense of Seattle, um, then people will eventually say, you know what, this kid is actually something really special. And I know the Vegas fans know that already, and I know that some smart cookies around the league know that as well. But, you know, right now, he's playing out of his skin. You oh, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's worth every penny they paid for him. And it's interesting yes. what you said earlier. What, what did you, what was the adjective you used villains? Did you say pantomime villain? Is that what you said? Pantomime or what? Them, yeah. 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 It, you know, it's interesting. It's almost Vegas is almost plays that role as a team within the league. It does. Yeah. The pantomime yeah. villain, you know, I'm not sure that Vegas deserves a lot of the crap that they get, but it has become trendy and popular mm-hmm. to kind of hate on Vegas for a lot of different reasons. 
And then what happens is I think once you have placed a, either a person, a player, or a team, or an organization, once you've placed them in that role, mm-hmm. you only look for things that support your opinion of them to be in that role, right? That's a common human bias. So, yes. you know, it anytime a single Vegas fan anywhere says something ridiculous, which all fans do, right? Let's face it. Every team has fans. <laughs> oh, we've done on this podcast, are, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and every team <laughs> has fans that say things that are outrageous or, or fans that don't, don't know what they're talking about. But, but if it's that bias that people look for only the things that are going to support their opinion. So then they can say, well, Vegas fans are idiots, right? Mm-hmm. Rather than what the truth is, is that just like any team, we have some fans that are idiots here and but so does Buffalo, so does Washington, so does Pittsburgh, right? Like every sports mm-hmm. team does. But if you're looking for the villain, oh, well, there's your evidence that, that, you know, to hate Vegas because Vegas fans are idiots. Just like it wouldn't make any sense for me to hate every Buffalo fan. Like I said, a lot of the fans in that arena probably weren't booing Eichel, but there were enough. Now we can just, it's easy to say, well, the entire Buffalo fan base sucks, which isn't the truth, Right. But, uh, no. and I think Eichel falls victim to some of that as well. I think that, that now that people are looking for anything that they can to hate on yep. him and understandably after all of that booing, um, when he scored, he gave it back to the crowd, right? Like every time he scored, the first time he scored, he, he gave them a look and threw his hands up in the air. And it's like, how do you like that? And he did something similar the second time. And then at the, after the hat trick, he skated out onto the ice and waved, like skated a circle and waved to the audience. And I don't uh, blame him. That's not going to help, but yeah, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't help, but I don't, I, I, I can't say that I blame him. If I were in that circumstance and I had thousands of people booing me every time I was out on the ice, I would want to give it back to him too. The guy's only human. But once again, like you said, that contributes to that. It's pantomime, pantomime villain, villain isn't it? That is. Yeah. So is that makes that, the yeah. Buffalo fans hate him even more. Mm. And, uh, and the cycle continues, right? So there's some people that, that play that role and rightfully so. I would argue that a guy like Evander Kane has earned his role as a villain, right? Like he, his personality on the ice, you know, some of the problems in his kind of in his own personal life or whatever, like, um, you know, that he, there's no way Evander Kane isn't going to play that role, right? Whatever you think about him, that's not passing judgment on him. It's just, that's the role he was cut out for in the league. So it is, yeah. But, but a guy like, uh, Eichel, I think there's a, some circumstantial stuff just based on the team that he got drafted to. And it happened to be, you know, the kind of Buffalo's history and it's complicated. I don't think it's as simple as, you know, Eichel bad. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know I don't I mean? think so. And, and there's a lot of people that say he's like a, a bad, you know, he's a cancer in the locker room. Like I've heard that said about him a lot. I don't see that on not this seeing team. it. No. I don't see it. I see a guy who loves his teammates. They love him. And um, they're supportive of him. He's supportive of them. I, I don't see a locker room cancer, but I think there's something to be said for circumstances count for a lot. And sometimes circumstances can bring out the best in people and they can also bring out the worst. And so if Eichel has ever done anything that made him seem like a locker room cancer, I would say that his circumstances had a lot to do with that. And I don't know that you can just make a blanket judgment on him as a person or as a player, you know, that's a tough situation out there in Buffalo, a struggling franchise, 
a fan base that's pissed and unhappy for years and years and years. And um, that's a tough situation for a guy who is one of the most talented hockey players on the planet. Well, I just have to look at Edmonton Oilers and Connor McDavid's frustrations about their lack of playoff success while he's been there. And, you know, <clears throat> okay, no, he's not come out and said anything horrendously bad and he's still there and, you know, and no doubt will be there for a long time to come. But it's easy when players, players want success. You know, that's why they're here. Like, why would we, you wouldn't want him to be passive about what he wants out of life because that's not the right player. And you don't become a Jack Eichel or a Nathan McKinnon or a, or a Conor McDavid without that drive. So, I think Jack Eichel's a very emotional guy, a very passionate guy, and there's nothing wrong with that either. I think it drives him. So he's doing exactly what he needs to do quite on it, and long may it continue. And locker room-wise, I think the way the, his teammates reacted at the end of the Buffalo game tells you what he what they think of him and how much they respect mm-hmm. him as a player. So, yeah, it's... Oh, man, it's it's such a... A bonus for for Vegas to have him in their side, and like you said, yeah. you started off by saying contender. I yeah, I, what Vegas are now, they yeah. are back to being a true Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, I think so. I think we're enough games in now that we can yep. we can rightfully say that. Uh, I don't think it's a fluke, and um, no, I, I agree with you. It's uh, they're they're looking fantastic, and. Um, mm-hmm. But before we wrap up, um, one other little happy storyline that um, was perhaps overshadowed a little bit by by Eichel's game. But Paul Cotter, who is a guy who rightfully broke into the NHL, you know, he he sort of was a success story, right? Just had a great preseason and and made the roster, cracked the roster. Had been in the press box, you know, had been healthy, scratched for a number of games, which is. Uh, a normal consequence of a team that's doing this well. Yep. You're the new kid on the block. Like you're going to spend a little time in the press box, but it speaks to the team's depth and a healthy competition that Cotter's first game back in, which was the Buffalo game. He scored a goal. He, Mm -hmm. He had a breakaway goal himself. I mean, that's after sitting in the press box for, you know, for a number of four or five games, maybe six games. He sat for a while. He hadn't played in a while. So, uh, and he's was in the lineup for the blues game as well. So that that's another happy story, not just for Paul Cotter, but for where the organization sits right now. They, they've got enough cap space that they have that depth. They've got three healthy scratches a night. That means the team's healthy. Um, they're in a real good position. And, and for me, stories like Paul Cotter, that's just, that's just sort of symbolic of where the team is at right now. It's a complete 180 from, what they were dealing with last year. So, um, yeah, definitely he's doing well. And, you know, like I said, he, be, he probably won't play every night. He probably won't play every game for the rest of the season. Keep scoring. They're going to, he's going to keep him in the lineup, but four points in six games, he's doing, he's doing great. And Vegas mm-hmm. need those sorts of players, kind of bottom line guys. So, yeah, we keep saying it, but so much to like. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's been good, great times for both teams. And, um, like I said, one loss each. And they each lost by one goal. It's uh, nothing to worry about at all. In my opinion, you're just not going to win 82 games. That just doesn't happen. So no. um, still a great time to be fans of both teams. And uh, I'm excited to see how things go in the coming weeks. But 
thanks again, Ian, and uh, and thanks to all of our listeners. We appreciate you guys and uh, enjoy interacting with all of you online on Twitter and um, you know in the the mailbag feature on the website. If you want to get in touch with us that way, but please do send us your questions or or your thoughts or anything that you might like to discuss regarding our two favorite teams here. Um, we always love to do that. And, um, and we're happy to discuss anything that you guys would like to discuss. Um, so once again, thanks for listening and uh, we'll look forward to doing this again next week. Um, stay healthy, stay happy, my friends, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.